each other and we can glorify our name, God, just singing, I surrender all, Lord, from the deepest parts of who we are. Let's try that again one more time. And I surrender all. And I surrender all. All to be, all to be my blessed Savior. I surrender. truly be able to give all our worries and concerns and situations in your hands, Lord. We truly surrender them all. Amen. Well, happy Lord's Day to everybody. Um, I hope that you guys are doing well. And that last song is one of my favorite songs. Um, so if you guys are making a list, that's one for the funeral. Um, so if you guys are, unless you guys go first. But yeah, so that's that's um, that's a blessing, uh, that truth of, of I surrender all. Um, so again, um, happy Lord's Day to you all and to those who will be listening later. Um, uh, through God's providence, um, he slowed me down a little bit. And, um, and so I am at home for today, um, but doing well. Uh, so let's, we're going to be looking at first Peter chapter two, and, uh, we're going to be diving back into scripture chapter again, chapter two, verses four and five, as we've been looking at. So if you have a Bibles with you, open them up so you can follow along either, uh, a paper Bible or a digital Bible or some sort of device. Um, and I pray that you will be blessed uh, by his word. Um, but first, let's go to the Lord in prayer as always and ask the Holy Spirit to guide, direct our lives and uh, feed us uh, because he is the teacher. Heavenly Father, we uh, come before you this Lord's Day thanking you for your goodness, your grace. As we uh, examine scripture this Lord's Day, we ask for a fresh blessing. Uh, we ask for your word to refresh our minds, our hearts, uh, refresh our whole being. We need the living word of God within us, not only intellectually, but we need to experience it. We need to live this out. I pray that this Lord's Day, God, you bless the saints and you bless us um, as we are dispersed, as we are in different places, but united in your spirit. Uh, I pray that the spirit will teach us and remind us of the, 
of the beauties of scripture, the truths of scripture, and open up our understanding, open up our, our, our sinful minds, our sinful hearts uh, that at times get clogged up with the world and distractions of the world. And I pray that you remove that and prune us uh, this Lord's day and, and make us more whole again. And we pray this in Christ's name again. Amen and amen. So first Peter chapter two, verses four and uh, five. And I'm going to pick up from, from, from verse one, just to get a broader context. Um, and it says like this, therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifice, spiritual sacrifices, I'm sorry, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I'm going to open this up with a quote that I finished off last week. Um, and that's from Matthew Henry. And he says this about this text, about this portion. He says, in this metaphorical description of Jesus Christ, he is called a stone to denote his invincible strength and everlasting duration and to teach his servants that he is their protection and security, the foundation on which they are built and a rock of offense to all their enemies. So as Peter says, you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. Coming to him is our steadfast obedience, and it's our undying duty. And that's what we were seeing last week specifically. You know, last week, like I said, we focused more upon uh, examining verse 4 and looking a bit close at Peter's words to the saints, such as coming to him, what that emphasized, what that meant. Also, the living stone, that it is Christ who is the living stone. And we, and we touched upon a little bit of the Old Testament to the relating to the new, and that he was rejected by men. And how Peter is now portraying some sort of fairy tale here. He's giving us the solid truth, the simple truth of Scripture, that this living stone, Christ the Lord, the Lamb of God, was rejected by men. He came to his own, and his own did not accept him, did not receive him. And not only that, we saw that he is the divine choice of God. It is in it is in the Son that He is pleased, and we and we touched on that a bit. Now, verse four is a direct focus, like I said, upon Christ, and verse five that we're going to look at today is a focus on the bride of Christ and those who are in Christ, and that is us, the church, and our position in Christ allows us an entrance uh, to the privileges of being in union with Christ. We looked at these great, we're going to be looking at these great privileges of being connected to Christ himself. That's why he says, you also, you know, that's how Peter says it, as living stones. You know, not only is Christ, but he goes, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through the mediator, through his son, who is Jesus Christ. You know, Peter begins to lay out these great privileges of being united to Christ and being the people of God. You know, because Christ is the living stone, we too are as living stones. You know, we have been redeemed. You know, we have been adopted. 
and we have been grafted in uh, to the living God. You know, now we, you know, we can partake of the blessings and privileges of being in the true vine, not only knowing of the true vine, but being literally connected to the true vine. You know, Peter is stamping our identity and position uh, of being in Christ Jesus. You know, that term is used a lot by Paul. That's more of a, like a Pauline uh, uh, emphasis and language uh, of being in Christ Jesus. In, what does that mean? You know, that we are now in union, that we can be in communion with Christ himself. <clears throat> Excuse me. As Christ is so are his followers. You know, as Christ was raised, we too shall be raised. As Christ lives, we too shall live. You know, we were created in the image of God, but because of sin, you know, that image has been marred, has been distorted, you know, and without Christ, you know, we see through scripture that we are dead and our trespasses and our sins. And it is by Christ and it is in Christ you know, that we are being transformed into the image of God. And he literally breathes life into us. You know, he makes us and he recreates us into these living stones, as Peter's portraying here. You know, we see this in uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, where Paul is speaking to the Corinthians. And he says, therefore, you know, if anyone is in Christ, you know, if we are now positioned in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. You know, something new has happened. He's a new creation. And the old things have passed away. Behold, the new has come. So there is this newness of life within Christ that makes us these living stones. You know, Paul, as well as Peter, they speak of newness of life over and over in their writings. You know, something happened to us. You know, the, the, something has happened not only within the outside of us, but within the inside of us. Something has happened to our mind, to our heart. We don't think the same. We don't act the same. We don't speak the same. You know, we don't have the same desires because now we are these living stones that are being built up, you know, to, to become these spiritual homes, to become a dwelling place for the spirit of the living God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45 uh, Paul says, so, so too, it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living person, and the last Adam was a life-giving spirit. So Jesus Christ is the last Adam, and it is through him that we are given this, this life-giving spirit. It is through him that we receive this living spirit. Again, be, without Christ, we are dead in our trespasses, in our sins. You know, we walk as dead people. It is Christ who infuses this life. It is Christ who, who gives us this life and makes us these living spiritual homes, these living um, beings. It is Christ who gives us this spiritual life now. And he is the life-giving spirit. That is why, you know, without him, there is no salvation. There is no other name uh, you know, that has been given under heaven. There is no name that will ever exist that we can rest upon for salvation. So Paul, you know, writing to the Ephesians says these words in Ephesians chapter two, verses four to six, you know, to emphasize this more, let me read this to you, you know, but God, you know, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, in our transgressions made us alive together with Christ. 
by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So it is Christ, it is in Christ, it is by Christ that we are lifted up, that we are made new, that we are made whole. You know, and that's why I, I wanted to read this because it says that we were dead, you know, past tense, but now we've made he's made us alive together in Christ. Now we share these privileges. That's why when Peter says, you know, we're coming to him as a living, uh, as a living stone. And then he says, you too, as living stones. In other words, he's emphasizing that our union in Christ makes us these living stones that we are being built upon. And Peter's metaphor, you know, of living stones is telling the saints, you know, you who have believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ, share in the riches of the glory of Christ the Lord. You know, it is he who builds the church. You know, it, it is Christ who's building us. You know, he gives life to her. It is Christ who infuses life into the church and who, and who, makes, who adorns the church, who makes her beautiful. It is Christ who is the head of the church. And he says, you also as living stones, again, are being built up as what? As spiritual uh, uh, homes, as, as a spiritual house. He saves us. He gives us life and he builds us. Again, it is God who saves. It is God who gives life to us. You know, it, it is God who then builds us. You know, and so we are these, we are these living stones who are being built up as a spiritual house. Uh, th this speaks of the ongoing work of God's grace in our lives. You know, Peter's metaphor brings a profound message uh, that ought to uh, you know, make us meditate. When, when we look at metaphors or allusions, especially to the Old Testament, it, it, it ought to make us think a little bit. And why is he using these metaphors? You know, we are now uh, these spiritual homes, uh, you know, and, and these homes must be kept, you know, taken care of. Um, th there needs to be repairs at times and be cleaned. You know, as homes need to be kept or they fall apart, we too must be kept. These spiritual homes are not just going to grow, uh, you know, by accident, are not just going to look beautiful by accident, are not just going to be taken care of by accident, right? No, there needs to be an intentional uh, uh, a will of man to, to understand that we are now, this cage, this body is a spiritual home for the living God. You know, Peter is trying to make us understand the privileges, you know, of being united in Christ, you know, becoming a Christian doesn't mean that we have arrived. You know, many people misunderstand that becoming a Christian, you know, it doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't mean perfection. It means we're striving for perfection. We're striving to be like Christ, but it doesn't mean that we've obtained per a perfection, especially not in this fallen world and in this, and in this body, this cage, this flesh that is prone to sin, you know, but, but more, you know, we've realized that there's work to be done. See, the, the, the Christian realizes that there is sin within us that needs to be dealt with. There is sin within us that we cannot cure ourselves. There is a problem within us that we cannot clean uh, just by our, our actions, just by adopting certain things in life. No, the, 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 there's, there's something that needs to be done. And the Christian comes to Christ in total faith and obedience and let him do the saving and the, and, and the cleaning and the pruning and everything else. You know, like I said, on the contrary, we as Christians, we recognize not that we have arrived, 
but we recognize our need to be repaired. As spiritual homes, as these spiritual houses, we've recognized that there is a need to keep this house uh, uh, um, in good condition. You know, the, 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 the church is filled with people under construction, all right? That, that's what we all are imperfect, you know, uh, uh, under the work of grace and truth, not under the work of humanism or secularism or, or, or one, two, three steps. No, we are under the work of grace and truth. A hospital of redeemed sinners is what we belong to. You know, that's what we are. We are redeemed sinners. A home for all is where we, where we are at. Yeah, that, that the church is, is for the lowly, the, the, those who have understood that they cannot do it on their own. You know, we were lost and we were far off and now we have a home in Christ Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 19 to 22, it says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, right? You know, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. Again, so we were, these, we were far off. We were uh, strangers. We were aliens, as the Bible says. But we've been brought into the household of God. Not only that, but we are being built on the foundation, you know, of the apostles and the prophets. Who is that? Jesus Christ himself. And it is him who builds the church again. Jesus Christ is the foundation, you know, of these spiritual homes is what Peter's laying out. You know, we build with the apostolic teachings. We don't come up with new stuff. We don't look for the newest trend. How am I going to build upon this spiritual life? There's nothing new under the sun. We build upon the apostolic teaching of scripture. What did the prophets point to? To a savior, to Christ, to a redeemer. That's what we lay. That's what we, what we build upon. What did the apostles teach? Well, the message of the kingdom, the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel. That's what we build upon. And his name is Jesus Christ. You know, without Christ, these homes fall apart. Without Jesus Christ as a foundation, as the architect, as the builder, you know, as, as, as the, the substructure of, of, our, of our homes, it's going to fall apart either now or at the end in, when, when, there, when the testing comes or, or it's, it's not going to endure you know, the psalmist says it really beautiful in Psalm 128, verse 1. The psalmist says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. So unless God is involved in the building of this house, there is going to be nothing, nothing is going to endure. You know, this, this, this is God's purpose that we see, uh, we see throughout scripture that not only does he save a people uh, and, uh, and pull away and be a distant God? That's not what he does. He doesn't just save and says, well, you know, um, you know, you have salvation and I'll be up here and you guys kind of figure it out, you know, down there. No, that's, that's not what scripture teaches, you know, but 
is scripture teaches us that he is a near God. He is close to us. You know, he is in us in spirit form that he is working through us and he's constantly building these spiritual homes. So uh, again, he is not a distant God. He is close. He, there, there is this nearness of God in our lives and it is through scripture it is through prayer, it is through meditation, it is through obedience that we experience the nearness of God in our lives. You know, and, and he's close to us and he's building us. Why? It is to make us like him, uh, you know, to, to, for, so that we can be less like the world and be more like him. You know, again, we were talking about holiness in previous uh, weeks, you know, to make us into a holy people is what he wants. He wants to make us into a holy people. And, you know, Paul to the Corinthians, he says uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? He goes, do you not know this? That now as, as being united to Christ, as being saved by the blood of the lamb, as being one in Christ, that you are now temples of God. It, you know, it, you're not as you were before. You know, now these bodies have been purchased at a high price. You understand that. You realize that you are not your own, but we belong to him who created us. And what we do with this building, it matters to God because he wants to build us to be a holy people. You know, these earthly finite tents, you know, that we call bodies, you know, they possess the presence of God himself is what we read in scripture. You know, the, the person, not the thing, not the force, the person of the Holy Spirit dwells within every believer. That's what scripture teaches us. You know, individually, you know, we are these spiritual homes, these temples of God. Corporately or collectively, we are the church, you know, the beautiful bride, the community of faith. So everything matters. What we do individually matters just as much as what we do collectively, you know, and, and so this is not an individual thing only or not just a collective thing. You know, both things matter. It matters what we do in our individual life and it matters what we do in our corporate life, because all that reflects the teachings of scripture. It ought to, you know, knowing this privilege, we ought to come boldly and humbly to him daily because we know that it is him who is building us we know that it is him who is going to give us the strength uh give us the power uh give us the 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 wisdom give us the knowledge the understanding to be able to endure what tomorrow will bring what today will bring you know scripture tells us that you know why worry about tomorrow today has enough trouble of its own today is enough you know, what God is going to do today is good for today. We are not to be so worried. We are not to be so concerned about, well, what about tomorrow? Well, what about next week? Well, what? Well, focus upon today. Tomorrow's not even guaranteed. Every day, God will be building us one way or another. And through God's providence and in God's sovereignty, things will happen in our lives. Why? Because he wants the best for us. When anything happens in our life, when he allows a storm, when he allows uh, um, uh, maybe a sudden halt in our lives, uh, when he allows uh, a little shaking in our lives, it is only for our good. And we should, we should, we should learn to live, um, you know, as that old song says, one day at a time. We have to understand that today he's going to build this spiritual home. Today he wants us um, 
to be concerned over the spiritual things, over a spiritual life. You know, a lot of times we focus upon tomorrow. You know, uh, we focus upon what am I going to do next week? Okay, I got to plan this out. I got, and that's good. You know, I'm not saying don't do that. What I'm saying is we are not to worry about tomorrow. We are not to be, we are not to be living uh, um, for tomorrow only. We have today. Let God build us today. Spend time with God. You know, and we need to draw close. And the only way that he's going to build us is if we come to him, is if we draw close to him. And daily, we need him to build us daily. Uh, daily, we're going to be distracted and daily we need to be cleansed. Uh, in order for this to be a beautiful sanctuary uh, for the living God, he daily needs to build us. You know, as Peter says, in Christ, we are being built up as spiritual homes. You know, for what? For a holy priesthood. You know, it is in Christ that all this is happening, that we, you know, are being built up for the purpose of this holy priesthood, to be this holy people. For, and what is the purpose of that? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You know, there is, again, a collective truth, you know, that we are all the body of Christ. We are all the body of God. We, are, we all make this body. We are all members of this heavenly body. That is the truth collectively. You know, all, but we, it is true we are all different. You know, uh, there, there's a, a variety of differences, be, but we are all connected. You know, there is also this individual truth that Peter uh, is also laying into. You know, and, and, and this individual, Peter's pointing to, we are all these living stones. We are all these spiritual homes, and we are all these holy priesthood there's this holy priesthood about us you know and peter is echoing old testament language here this holy priesthood you know with uh um uh the, the, the people would understand the readers would have understood this again with the with a deeper contextual meaning than us you know when we think of of a priesthood we automatically think of clergy uh we think of certain people dressed a certain way uh, uh that live a certain way um that uh, speak a certain way and, and, and that's because of, of the culture that we're, uh, that obviously that we grew up in. And um, when the readers were reading, when the readers heard this, uh, 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 when the first readers heard this, they were thinking of the Old Testament priesthood. They were thinking of Leviticus. They were thinking of Exodus. You know, they were thinking of the Old Testament. Uh, and, and these images would come to their mind. And that's why Peter uses metaphors, allusions to bring to mind the privilege that we now have being in Christ Jesus. It is no small thing. Again, to that Peter says, you are now this holy priesthood. Again, he's echoing a language that is important for us to think upon. You know, not everyone, you know, was in the priesthood in the Old Testament. It was not like, well, just apply here and we're going to interview a couple people and see if you can qualify to be a priest. That's not the way it worked. You know, it's not like you went to a seminary and, you know, um, and uh, you pass certain tests and then you have a plaque on the wall. And you're like, well, that's a priest. No, it's not how it worked. Right. You know, not anybody could just be a priest. Not anybody could partake of this priesthood um, that we saw in the Old Testament. Not everyone had the privilege of being that close to the presence of God. Not everyone, you know, had the privilege to offer sacrifices of worship, you know, to the, our great God. Not everyone had the privilege to serve, you know, it, it that close to the presence of God. Not anybody could just walk in, you know, because you would die. You know, it, it, is, it is in the new covenant, 
It is, it is when Jesus inaugurates this through him, you know, in Christ, you know, that we are saints, right? And the followers of Christ experience the priesthood now of all believers. Because Christ Jesus, because of the work of the cross, because of the resurrection, now, you know, the old, now the old, he fulfills the law in Christ Jesus. Now we don't need animal sacrifices. Now we don't need to go to uh, uh, um, we don't need to go to a certain person uh, to sacrifice something for our sins because Christ paid it all and his sacrifice was good once and for all. And in Exodus 26, uh, you know, we read of this, uh, of, of, of this veil, right? The veil that served as a partition uh, between the holy place and the holy of holies and not anybody again. In fact, in fact, almost nobody could walk into the Holy of Holies, but a specific time and a specific person could. And, and, and so when we read this veil in the Old Testament, you know, the, the, this, the, this only, that only certain uh, chosen priests, you know, would serve there, you know, and enter the Holy of Holies where the presence, the nows of God was the very literal presence of God. You know, not everyone was anointed, you know, for that, for the, for those priestly duties and privileges that came. But one day scripture teaches us that God came to us, you know, and took our sins upon him on the cross. And Matthew's gospel, you know, portrays and narrates how that veil, that curtain, you know, of the temple was torn into from top to bottom. You know, when Christ took the cross you know, he inaugurated, he, he opened up access to us, to the Father. Now all of God's people would have direct access to God. You know, through the atoning death of Christ, the individual priesthood of all believers would come into full effect. Think of, think of what that meant for the, for the, for the, uh, for the original uh, uh, hearers of this who read this. You know, that there was only, they, they would read about this, only certain people would have access to the most holy of holies. To, to, the only certain people could come even close uh, to the courts, to, 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 to the holy place. And now that veil was torn. Now Christ made a way. Now, now that everybody had access to the Father, now everybody had access to the very literal presence of God. And not only that, in the New Testament, we read um, when the prophecy was fulfilled that now when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came out, that now the spirit of God dwells not in in buildings made of hands, not in, in cathedrals, right? Not not in certain. No, he dwells in us. Now we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now every believer is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Again, these images, these illusions, these metaphors are huge. And, and, and when Peter says, you know, we are being built as a spiritual homes, take care of your home. You know, understand that you are not just a fleshly body, but you are a spiritual home. And not only that, you're for, for the purpose of a, of, of a holy priesthood. And, and not only that, because now you offer these spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. Now it is your responsibility. It is your privilege that now you get to offer thanksgiving to God. Now you are the hands and feet of the gospel. Now you, you know, can sing to him in worship. 
Now, now you can uh, um, worship him with your, with, with your whole literal body. And so again, those are the privileges that we have now. You know, now we all are, you know, th that is a great privilege. And now we it literally, every single one of us offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You know, not just any sacrifice, of course, right? Let's make sure we understand this. It's acceptable and pleasing to God. Not just any sacrifice was acceptable in the Old Testament. You didn't bring the beat up calf, right? The one-eyed pigeon, you know, the, the, the three-legged goat. That would be a disrespect, right? You brought the best. You brought the, the, the prime, the choice things that you had to offer up. And in, 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 in we see this in the Old Testament. Well, us too. We give him the best of our lives. We give him our mind. We give him our heart. We give him our soul. We give him our strength. We give him. That's why the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. This is the greatest commandment. To give God everything. To love him with your whole being. For again, not just any sacrifice is acceptable. You know, not just any sacrifice was pleasing uh, unto God. Not every sacrifice was a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And, and, and the only way that our sacrifices will be pleasing is if they're done in the spirit. And if we do them in Christ's name, that is what it is. Whether we give a cup of water, whether we help somebody uh, in one way or another, whether we sing to him, whether we pray to him, whether we spend time in meditation, uh, whether we gather in corporate worship, whatever we do, we do it for the glory of God. Everything we do, we do it for the glory of God. Literally, you know, when we take a walk, when we wake up in the morning, we realize that we're awake, that everything is functioning. You know, we thank him and we offer up a thanksgiving to him. Everything ought to produce gratitude in our lives. And again, and then we offer this unto God and let it be a pleasing aroma because we're doing it in the spirit of the living God and in the name of the son of God, of Jesus Christ. And the writer of Hebrews in chapter 13, I'm going to close out with this. It says, chapter 13, verse 15, through him, through Christ, through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that gives thanks to his name and do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices God is pleased so we understand this and we can look at different things um, uh, but due to time we're not gonna be able to look at everything that is pleasing to God but we do know that what we do again individually with, with when we're in gratitude and worship and meditation, what we do in in that sense is it, it needs to be it could be pleasing to God. Also, what we do in our day to day lives, you know, what we do in uh, corporately, what we do uh, when when those who don't know God, how do we treat those who don't know God? That is also a spiritual sacrifice. How we love our neighbor, how we love our enemies, how we help those in need, everything that we do in our it, it combines into this, this spiritual sacrifice to the Lord. You know, as believers, you know, we ought to be concerned that all we do is pleasing to God. That ought to be a concern to us. You know, when, when, when in doubt, ask yourselves, well, will this be pleasing to God? And, and that you can answer that yourself. When in doubt of, of doing something, of saying something, of responding a certain way, 
um, which we all will come, uh, you know, we're all going to have these situations. What should I do? Uh, you know, is it pleasing to God? When in doubt, you know, ask that question, you know, is it pleasing to the Lord? That should be, uh, that should be something that gears our, our life. Is this going to bring pleasure to God? And it will allow us uh, to avoid much headaches in life and um, a lot of headaches in life, actually. Um, and it will allow us to walk in a narrow path. You know, it is when we live and walk in the spirit that we can be pleasing. You know, it is those who walk in the spirit that those are truly children of God. It is those who are not only not only talk about the spirit, not only say they experience the spirit. No, it is those who actually obey him, who walk daily, diligently in the spirit of the living God. The Holy Spirit is our daily companion. You know, we don't have Jesus in spirit form. You know, we don't see the Father right now, but we have the Spirit that dwells within us. And in knowing this, you know, our whole lives are the spiritual sacrifices. It's no longer, you know, like the Old Testament, right? Remember, like the, the animal sacrifices, you know, that's been done away. You know, these illusions that Peter brings, you know, and that is using right now, it, 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 to, to the original readers, again, was a huge message. It was not a minor message. It was not like something they just, you know, heard and said, put it on the shelf and say, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll look at that later. No, this was a huge thing to them, especially going through persecution, you know, being dispersed, you know, uh, uh, you know, this was something huge for them. You know, they was packed with an Old Testament meaning. And thousands of years later, we too should um, take a moment and meditate upon this. We should think about what does it mean for me to, offer, to be a spiritual house? What does it mean to me a living stone? What does it mean uh, uh, for me to, to be built upon, you know, the apostolic teachings of Christ? What does it mean for me to be a holy priesthood? You know, what, what, what does that mean for me individually? We should meditate upon that with the word of God and prayer and think through what Peter is telling the church. Because that's what God's word ought to do. It ought to make us think, not just feel, not, not, not just um, move on emotions, but it ought to make us think. We ought to be a thinking people and reason. What does this mean? What are the implications of this in my personal life? Like today, what does that mean for me today? This, the, you know, uh, th this very moment. And, you know, these are things that we ought to be meditating upon. You know, what, you know, what we are saved for, uh, I'm sorry, what we are saved from and what we are saved for are two questions that ought to always be in our mind. You know, what did God save me from? That's a, that's a big topic. And what did God save me for is a big topic. And these are things that ought to be in our mind as we grow in grace and truth, as we're being built upon, as we're being built as a spiritual homes, we should always have in mind, this is what I will say from, and this is what I will say for. And as you build upon that, both of these truths, not just one, you don't just stay uh, in, in, in the basic teachings, you know, of repentance uh, and baptism and, you know, uh, no, you don't just stay with the basics, but you can live without the basics, you know, and you don't just stay over here in the depths of what am I say for, you know, and you, and you start looking into the depths of, of theology and scripture and Christ and the, and the attributes of God and so forth. You need both. We need the basics and we need the deep waters of scripture daily in our lives. And uh, these are questions that ought to bring us uh, uh, a better understanding of growing in grace and truth. Allow me to finish uh, with Paul's words, uh, Paul's exhortation to the Romans in chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2 before I pray out. 
He reads like this. It reads, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. As Paul exhorted the Romans, as Paul exhorted the church, as Paul exhorts us through those words, you know, we ought to think, we ought to think about this, that we too, you know, ought to be this living and holy sacrifice that is acceptable to God. We, we too, you know, need to be transformed. We not need to be conformed to the world, but we need transformation, not more conformity. It's easy to conform. We need to be transformed. And the only way to be transformed, it is by the living and enduring word of God and the work of God in our lives, in our obedience to him. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for the richness of your word, for the goodness of it. For scripture teaches us, Lord, that come and taste and see that the Lord is good. And I pray that as we approach your throne, as we approach your word, as we approach prayer, that we will taste and see that you are good. And when we fail day to day, Lord, I pray that you will uh, that you will cleanse us, that you will give us a strength and that you will pick us up, Lord, day to day. As we venture into growing in grace and truth, I pray that you will teach us that we can only find perfection in you that we should strive for that and not to look like anybody in this world, but to look like you. I pray that you will give us the strength to be being continuously built upon to these spiritual homes, to this holy priesthood, that we will take it serious in our day-to-day lives and that we will live for the glory of God today, that we will give you our worship today, that we will give you our allegiance today. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.